proclaim the greatness of the Lord our God and worship him upon his holy hill. For the Lord our God is the Holy One. In the name of the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Please be seated. Well, it is always good for time off, but it is also good to come home. Greetings, and as your priest, I am glad to be home. Well, in today's gospel, we meet Jesus along with Peter, James, and John high on a mountain. In case you didn't know, if you are to read the arc of the biblical narrative, you will find special things happen on mountains in scripture again and again and again. The setting used in scripture is oftentimes a tool that is employed by biblical authors that give a foretaste of what is to come. So a mountain is the setting for today's scripture, so that should automatically give us an indication that something powerful is going to happen. Mountains are a thin place, a place where often we find people meeting God, a place where sacred encounters happen again and again. So it should be no surprise here on a mountain, the Mount of Transfiguration, a thin place, we find Jesus alone with Peter, James, and John. And remember, they have walked up this mountain, so I'm sure they are a bit tired after the long trek up. So we are in the Gospel of Luke, and Luke is an amazing storyteller. And it is Luke who wastes no time in describing exactly what happens on this mountain. Jesus and his disciples, they're praying. And there, right before them, he was transfigured. Now that is a peculiar word, not often spoken about, read about, talked about. Essentially what it means is that his face was changed and his clothes became white, dazzling, dazzling white. So what Luke describes is extraordinary. And when practicing and thinking about what I wanted to say this morning, I came across one of my favorite authors, Frederick Buechner, and he shared it in this way. And what I love about how he describes this event is that he then shares how it translates to our world today. This is what he says. It is as strange a scene as there is in any of the Gospels. Even without the voice from the cloud to explain it, they had no doubt what they were witnessing. It was Jesus of Nazareth, all right, the man that they had tramped many a dusty mile with, whose mother and brothers they knew, the one they'd seen as hungry, tired, footsore as the rest of them. 
but it was also the Messiah, the Christ, in all of his glory. It was the holiness of the man shining through his humanness, his face so afire that they were almost blinded. Even with us, something like that happens once in a while, Beekner says. Perhaps you've seen this, a man walking his child in the park, a woman picking peas in the garden, of sometimes even the unlikeliest person listening to a concert, say, or standing barefoot in the sand watching the waves roll in, or just having a beer at a Saturday baseball game in July. Every once and so often, something so touching, so incandescent, so radiant, so alive, transfigures the human face and heart that it's almost beyond bearing. Well, yesterday on the campus of Grace, was for me one of those liminal, transfigural moments. A moment when this world opens up to the next, a shift happens, not because we were witness to a glowing, radiant Jesus flanked by Elijah and Moses, but as Beekner recalls, every once in a while something so touching and so radiant, so alive happens. That is transfiguration. It's almost too much to bear. Watching an entire church campus aglow, nearly every square inch, inside and out, transfigured by the folks who move about it, making it better. Filled yesterday with a desire to love God and our neighbors, so much so, knowing that sweat, discomfort, heat, Exhaustion and thirst would be our companions for the day, and yet we still said yes. It didn't matter, because the bigger picture was more clear, that of what our scripture reminds us to do when the voice of God rumbles out and says, this is my son, Listen to him. So how do we listen to him? And how do we make sense of this obscure and often confusing passage? Well, the only way I know how to do that is make it real for our context. And I can say for a small parish on Lang Street in Alvin, Texas, this is how we listened yesterday and gave witness to our own transfiguration. The campus of grace was made a bit more holy, a bit more sacred as we fed our neighbors with thousands of pounds of food and gave away stuffed backpacks full to the brim with school supplies. 
how we enlisted newly minted barbers from the barber school in Pearland to cut hair, how we offered face paintings for children, free books and greeting cards. We offered all that we could to bless a community and to listen to what the God of the universe has asked us to do, to simply love and serve him. I saw brothers from Alcohol Anonymous pack boxes of food and lift their hands to God in prayer. I witnessed a Cub Scout master and NASA scientist ring the grace bell for the first time. And then over Chick-fil-A sandwiches at lunch, how he told me, looked me in the eye and said, Mother Suzanne, that was so meaningful. I saw a campus brimming with smiles from the young and old and everything in between, neighborhood children grateful to have received a backpack full of blessings and a banana box filled to the brim with fresh veggies and produce. And I saw countless children excited to wear their new backpacks on their backs. So much good in one place, almost, as Frederick Beekner says, beyond bearing, certainly at times, breathtaking. So this moment in scripture, the transfiguration with Jesus happened once. And yet some of us on this side of the liminal veil, that space between heaven and earth, we catch glimpses that are so radiant and beautiful that it can't help but transfigure us as well. Where heaven meets earth, a moment that you don't want to end, a smile that can literally change the course of your day, a conversation that leaves you longing and hopeful, a meal shared between friends that is so beautiful where words can't quite describe other than deep satisfaction, conversation had with a friend on a back porch. These are examples of everyday transfigural moments, moments that set our hearts aglow and afire. These are the moments that propel us forward into new opportunities and avenues of life and ministry. Moments that prepare us for other moments of goodness to come. They are in some way helping us to transition to what is next. What God desires to give us that we never quite imagined, but perhaps secretly longed and hoped for. They are glimpses, they are a foretaste. But just as in today's gospel, 
it can't last forever. You gotta come down off the mountain and reality sets back in, reality returns. The reality for Jesus, once he came back down the mountain, he set his eyes upon Jerusalem. And there, as we know, he had to face challenge, cruelty, and ultimately his own death. And we too, we too come down the mountain to face our own challenges. But my words of hope this day is that these moments of transfiguration, they give us strength and hope to continue the walk of faith when we come down the mountain, to continue in the life of discipleship. We need these moments. We need to witness a campus aglow like we did yesterday. Because when we do, we meet a God who is so powerful, and we meet him in a life-changing way. And we, too, experience what Jesus did. Because those times when our hearts are aglow, where we feel as though we are on a mountain and don't ever want to leave it. These are what feed us. It is manna for our souls. And in the life of faith, they are needed and they are pure gift. So what I would say this morning is be present to them, welcome them, settle in, and thank God for them. Reach out to someone today and simply tell them how grateful you are for them. Because as we remember how God works in this world, often and most times, he comes to us in the slightest and in the smallest and most unsuspecting ways. And if we welcome him, he comes as a gentle, unobtrusive presence. Only if we are ready and only if we have eyes to see. Amen.